Welcome to Location Weekly. Uh, this is episode number 520. And uh, as you can see, Abriana is not here again this week. Uh, she's on uh, her second week off as she uh, is doing her move uh, from Atlanta to New York. And uh, so we're really pleased uh, this week to have uh, Karsten uh, join us and co-host the show uh, from Germany. Uh, welcome, Karsten. How are you? Great, Asif. Thanks for having me on the show and welcome from beautiful Munich to Canada and the rest of the world. Asif, it's great to see you. Uh, we all miss uh, our personal and physical meetings a lot. So I, I, I do not remember uh, such a long period we don't met in person. <laughs> so yeah. usually we meet um, every three months somewhere on the planet, but now you know, traveling is not allowed during the situation, but uh, thank you for having me at the show. And this is the LBMA Studio Europe, so based in, in Munich. So if you want to join us, just let us know. Yeah, no, it, it's uh, the traveling. It, it's been really, uh, really interesting. I mean, you, you and I both travel a lot normally and uh, to, to not be on a plane. I've not been on a plane at all uh, since this all started. I was actually supposed to be, I think, you know, uh, in Miami uh, this week Florida, yes. filming this uh, this TV show. And they told us of just a few weeks ago that uh, they've cut all the international uh, participants because of the border still being closed and uh, just COVID safety issues. So they're filming only with a U.S.-based cast. So, uh, so that's a bit disappointing. But uh, here we are, anyways. Uh, you know, there's there's still lots of work to do. So, um, you know, we we can keep going with that. And uh, yeah, um, you know, maybe be, just quickly before we jump into our stories for this week, you know, what's what's the sort of climate like right now in in Germany and in, in sort of retail? Things are starting to open. You know, what does it look like? Well, it's looking much more better now. So uh, there was a time we were similar to, to Canada and North America, so all in full lockdown. Uh, but since now three, four weeks, um, it's going better and better. So vaccination is available. Uh, we have now more than 50% of the adult people vaccinated first time. And so they told us if we have more than 70% first vaccinated, uh, then it will be um, very easy or easier than it is right now. So retail is open um, right, right now in uh, the area around Munich and most of Bavaria uh, retail facilities are open without test. Uh, just a limited capacity and also non-essential businesses are open. So we are allowed to go to uh, the haircut or the hairdresser and uh, also uh, fitness clubs and studios are opened last week. So this is also a good sign. Uh, indoor sports activities are allowed and we are now allowed to get, meet, I think 10 people from 10 different households. So that's, that's, that's good. indoor. And outdoor, uh, depending on where you do it, it's 50 to 100 people. So you see uh, it's, it's opening and that it's very similar to the rest of Europe. So I was traveling my first vacation trip since the pandemic to Greece with the family. So 10 days of vacation in uh, Greece, um, come back last Wednesday uh, by plane. So that was interesting. So all tested, PCR tests and uh, those things and uh, very super clean uh, plane and all this stuff, but it worked fine. So yeah, um, reopening comes, uh, retailers are open, but now they are struggling with uh, the capacity problem. So, so, so they have to count how many people are in there or so they have to 
use a basket or just one of these shopping carts or so to go in and they, they count it and it's only just maybe 50, 20% of the capacity allowed. Uh, yeah, but yeah, it's, it's opening and yeah, hopefully um, that yeah, is the beginning of the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's somewhat similar here. We have uh, some things opening this Friday for uh, retail and uh, patios at the restaurants, no indoor dining yet. Uh, this is coming uh, in the next phase, which is three weeks from now. But uh, yeah, so, you know, just starting, I think we're like maybe a few weeks behind you guys. Um, but, uh, you know, things are looking good. You have what here in, in uh, Ontario, like 60, 70% first dose already done, uh, you know, and, and, you know, tracking now on the second dose to, to hopefully get to like 20, 30%, they said by, you know, uh, at the end of the month. So, yeah, so we will see, uh, you know, things are, things are coming along and, and looking uh, more hopeful uh, now. So that's for sure. Um, Kids are back at school. Oh, physically. Ah, so wow. Yeah. <laughs> not here. They decided to not go back for the last month. Just wait till the fall and, and yeah. uh, go back uh, then. So anyhow. All right. Well, we have four stories, uh, as usual, that we want to cover uh, this week. And, you know, I was very uh, careful in picking the stories to make sure that uh, we could draw on your expertise in particular uh, with our first story, which is from Munich. Um, yes. and so I'll let you uh, introduce that and, and walk us through it. Yeah, thank you very much for this. So you all know the small payment solution provider PayPal. Yeah, they are around a long time, a really long time. And um, not as long as the technology they're using right now, which is, um, I called it um, QR code are back again. So what we have is uh, it's now um, um, uh, possible to uh, Q, uh, create a, a QR code on your phone and scan a QR code uh, in the application of PayPal. And the airport of Munich with his 41 stores is the first retailer and the mall, obviously, uh, which allows um, yeah, payments via the QR code payment from PayPal, which is very interesting because uh, now during the pandemic, uh, you have this contactless thing. So don't just hand over your card, don't, don't hand over cash. So every you can see all over the signs, please paper card, contactless and so. And um, so that what they said is um, um, yeah, big, it's a good thing on the, the technology they're using right now. So you just can easily scan a QR code. Uh, it's generated by the um, POS system when you check out it and just scan it with your with your application with paypal and then you're paid and then you're done and also uh, to be honest um the airport of munich um is a good partner of the lbma so we had uh, stefan conan last year on the oh, on the, oh, last year beginning of last year is that correct yes yeah, we, we still had a conference before covid <laughs> yes yes it was just four weeks before covid yeah. so that was your last big trip huh? yes Yes. And so we had Stefan from uh, the airport of Munich. He's responsible for all the retail marketing there and for the stores. And he was um, presenting a payment solution with uh, the former company Wirecard. You heard about that. It's also just scan and go. And they also had the solution for, with Alipay installed as one of the first uh, adaptants in Europe. So just this logic, uh, logic uh, that they tried to use that too. And 
as I mentioned before, I was traveling. It's there. I made a picture and I, I didn't try it, but it should work. Yeah. So that's the, the first big news. So payment with QR codes, the old technology and PayPal is now available at the airport of Munich. There you go. So I guess for, for you know, it makes sense. I mean, I think QR codes are uh, well understood by the general public and most consumers now, you know, we're using them for so many different applications, payments being one of them. Obviously, you know, some of the, in the APAC regions, you know, these things have been around as a payment uh, technology for a long time. You know, Alipay, WeChat Pay, you know, so on and so forth, you know, have been using different types of methods to do that. Now, obviously this is tied directly into the PayPal uh, app. Um, do you think, um, I, the airport has its own app as well, correct? Oh yeah, that, that that's funny because um, I tried to reach um, uh, Stefan out, but he was too busy to answer this question. So they developed an application which is not only for the um, airport of Munich, together with Lufthansa, the airline. Uh, it's um, I think now in three or four different airports in use, and I'm not sure if they want to integrate that or not because what you have right now you have a couple of different applications. You have your lounge finder, uh, you have your payment you have the uh, locator from your airline, you have your ticketing system. And then at least you remember traveling, I, I used five or six applications on an airport. So that's crazy. And they have one, I, I didn't remember the name right now. I think something like Traveler or so, yeah. uh, written with an R at the end. And um, yeah, but um, yeah, they have their still, still their own application and a couple of that, including indoor navigation and beacons and all this stuff. So they're playing around a lot. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I think that the, for me that the, you know, I think this makes sense. I think people want to pay uh, in a contactless way, you know, regardless of whether it's QR code or something else. But but I think the the challenge with a lot of this is, you know, how do you access it? Is it through a PayPal app? Is it through an airport app? Is it through the camera on the phone that can scan yes. a QR code as well, right? So, yes. you know, is it like if you just open up your camera and scan this QR at the airport, does it take you to the PayPal app? automatically uh you know like things like that you know like just in terms of you know the the brand and sort of experience for the for the user you know what does that look like so i think there's you know the ease of use is, is one thing and i think that makes a ton of sense but i think there's a lot of work that has to be done right now by many organizations out there to figure out you know that brand experience and that sort of flow you know in terms of you know, what are you using to scan the QR code and how you, you then get to that experience of, you know, yeah. PayPal in this case, or, you know, whatever the, the payment platform is going to be. So I think yeah. that's the challenge with a lot of these things. Uh, as we Absolutely. But still the same challenge we've facing since years. So yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> at the end For of sure. the day, can, can you copy a QR code? Yeah, you can copy it. If you know how it looks like, <laughs> yeah, can you manipulate exactly. it? If you want, you can do it. <laughs> it's only a couple of digits in there. So yeah. Exactly. Okay, exactly. so on to our second story now. Uh, Amazon is launching its own uh, publisher ID. And this is a very interesting story. I, uh, we uh, hinted at this a little bit last week uh, on the show that, you know, things like this were coming, you know, and, and this is really born out of, uh, you know, all the changes into uh, privacy and location data and security, you know, the iOS 14 moves, the IDFA uh, being pulled away, Google changing the rules on their ad IDs. And it's getting more and more difficult for, you know, uh, apps and SDKs and whatnot to, you know, basically get access to location data. 
So one of the ways around that is for publishers to create their own ad ID that lives uh, within their sort of, uh, you know, private ecosystem or, or, you know, what they, you know, what we used to call a walled garden back in the day, um, you know, going, going back now in time. But uh, yeah, so, so Apple is making a move here um, to basically essentially be its own DSP. So competing directly with, you know, the trade desk or live ramp or organizations like this with their own publisher ID. Um, and I think it's an interesting approach. Um, for Amazon, I, I, I don't think it, it necessarily can work for you know, a lot of other organizations because in order for it to be effective, you really have to have scale. You really have to have you know, a lot of eyeballs, a lot of volume, a lot of users in order to make something like that that's a, you know, essentially a private ecosystem work. Now, fortunately, Amazon's a huge company. They have scale. Um, so they're kind of well-suited to, you know, to be able to make... Um, something like this work the challenge then is is okay so now you have your own publisher id you know is this uh shared now uh or available or accessible by google or apple or, or others uh you know to interact with it um and i think that's you know what yet has to be figured out with something like this but i think the the, the concept of a private you know ecosystem publisher id makes sense, especially if you're somebody like Amazon. And, and there's not a lot of companies that I think can do this. Uh, well, I think you could see potentially credit card companies, you know, doing something like this, um, you know, in creating an ecosystem like that. Um, potentially some of the payment platforms like a PayPal could do something like this. Um, but uh, I, I think it, it's not something that, you know, many organizations have the ability to do. And, and it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, how that works in terms of advertisers wanting to, you know, sort of be able to target advertising based on a unique identifier like that. What are your thoughts? Yeah, we, we have this questions uh, a lot around. So how to identify and how we um, can make it use for a couple of companies. So one of our member companies, I don't know if you know that, a company called Worldline. Um, so they are acquired uh, payment solution provider in Switzerland called Six. And uh, the global head of um, digitalization um, showed me a project, maybe this is a year ago, something like that, uh, where they matching the credit card, the credit card numbers with other uh, identifier numbers around uh, the globe. And uh, through the whole value chain, uh, you're using your credit card. So you're paying uh, at a shop, so you have your credit card number and you're maybe uh, might set more frequent traveler number or something like that enter to this. So what they're doing, they taking a layer over this number and saying we are creating a unified uh, identifier for this person which allows us it's like a wallet so they put these uh, different numbers into into this one number and say right this identifier includes the frequent clever number the credit card number all just super secured uh, but they they combine it and what they doing they um, generate a lot of um, data insights out of that uh, uh, where you were shopping what you're going to do uh, what you're interested in uh, even if you if you if you signed on and or just a um, have a web shop and you have in the web shop in your basket some some item but you didn't pay but you're still registered they put that number from the web shop under this one roof and then they know you're maybe interested in yellow trousers or whatever so um so but the question is always the same 
Um, that makes only sense uh, when you have this huge data sets and you're capable to um, get information out of that you need right now because <laughs> it's a lot of information. We're talking about that uh, since years uh, around um, how to, to interpret them for your business case and what you want to do is uh, very, very hard to understand. And even in advertising, uh, at the end of the day, it's only just advertising money in the game. It's not a real basket. It's not real, real business. It's just advertising and the hope that you can get something out of it. Um, yeah, if Jeff Bezos coming back from space, we will see if that turned out for him good or not. <laughs> in, for his shares, for Yeah, and, and I and I think that the you know the advantage that somebody like an Amazon has uh, is it's not just you know volume and scale. They have transaction data, they have search data, they have all sorts of things going on within their ecosystem yeah. to be able to tie all that together, right? So I, I think yeah. they're it's it's a very interesting play. And then you know bringing it back to the the world of location, Amazon also launched uh, you know wide availability of their location data now service as well. So they're sort of working with guys like here and Esri and kind of you know opening up location data sets as part of their AWS uh, offering. And so you know if you think about that now combined with an ID, that's a really interesting concept, right? Um, if you can bridge location. Well, that's huge. Traffic. You do it on the right yeah. way. It yeah. could be a, a yeah. big thing. It, it could be solving some problems. Yeah. So, anyhow, one definitely something to watch as it uh, as absolutely it evolves, uh, going forward. Okay, moving to our third story now. I'll let Karsten uh, kick us off on uh, on this other interesting uh, European story. Yeah. So, are you in Star Trek and those things? Are you good in that? Yeah. I grew up watching all those shows like Star Trek and Stargate and Star Wars and all of that. So yeah, for sure. I, I, I like a good sci-fi uh, you know, show. All right, cool. So Lithonia, this small country in the eastern part of Europe, uh, there's a town called, I'm pretty sure I don't spell it in the right way, but called Vilnius. Huh? They have now their own Stargate portal. So that sounds very weird, but I have something I will show you. Just give me a sec. Here we are. You see now the Stargate? Yes. Well, this is in the town in Lithonia and just 360 miles away, 70 miles away, another town in Poland called Lubin. Yeah, that's a ghost standing. So they now they are connecting each other in this Star Trek uh, feeling and they can communicate. And yeah, the idea is to build a network to communicate around the globe where the Stargates 
and yeah, have this cool idea of connecting people and it's called portal. Yeah, so uh, back to this view. Anyway, uh, I know you are using this um, podcast also as an audio podcast. Sorry for that, having the video inside there. But anyway, we can, you can cut it out if you want. Um, but the idea is pretty simple, just to connect people during the pandemic, which uh, is, we talked about earlier, traveling is uh, not so easy. It's coming easier now, but um, it's, it's a cool idea just to connect people and just uh, gave them, um, yeah, kind of unique experience for the city marketing and for that. So this is, uh, the project was um, financed also from the government and other things just to make it attractive. And Lithuania is a very small country. They have to do some marketing for them. And this is kind of marketing they do to the closest neighbors and that, in that case, Poland. Uh, cool idea, but to be honest, not really new. So you remember the old videos we had with uh, um, the digital out of home stuff on the bus stops, uh, where you can connect to maybe uh, a retirement home or something like that to to talk with people there. Uh, somebody yeah. on the other side stands, hey, you're smoking. Uh, why are you smoking? Smoking is unhealthy. So technology is around for a long time and. Um, yeah, it's just cool marketing, nothing very super unique, but uh, yeah, uh, I love the idea just to connect people in different yeah, areas in the world. And uh, it's all about location. So this is placed in, direct in the main street there and just bring more attraction to the main street. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of marketing. What do you think? Yeah, I, I agree. I think technology wise, there's nothing really super innovative or new here we're using digital you know signage and you know uh, speakers and microphones and and things on either side but 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 i do think it like from a timing point of view it's, it's really uh, a, a cool application right because travel has uh, as an industry has really suffered uh you know because of covid um and you know these these cities that rely heavily on tourism and people coming, uh, you know, as a as a prime source of income, you know, Greece, you know, a good example you just went to is, you know, almost all of their economy is based on tourism. So, yes. you, you know, I think finding interesting ways to use the, the technology like that and kind of showcase, you know, what this town in Lithuania or this town in Poland is like and what you could experience if you come and travel here. Uh, I think it's an interesting, you know, way, right? And uh, I, I think we can certainly do more of this. I, I like the idea of creating you know, sort of these across multiple cities, you know, maybe across all of Europe or even internationally, uh, you know, North America to Europe or what have you, that could be really interesting. And I could see, you know, airlines or travel, you know, companies like Expedia or, or those types of companies get behind this from a sort of branding or marketing point of view uh, as a way to really, you know, sort of get people interested in traveling again. Um, you know, it, it, it's a neat, you know, kind of a cool way to kind of expose, uh, you know, a, a potential tourist destination. So, you know, I like it from that point of view. And I, and I like that they really kind of are focusing on, you know, having the portal, you know, the screen in the, you know, in the case of the uh, uh, Lithuanian town, it's like at the central train station. And, you know, the other side, it's in the main, you know, sort of downtown Main Street. So, you know, I like that idea of showing, you know, it's busy, come check it out, you know, drive over across the border or fly and come check, come see us. So, so I like that idea. I, I think it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I, what I, what I think about it is just 
when you find on the other side of the portal somebody who is explaining you something so put it in front of your main attraction put it in front of something you want to talk about yeah and then you're standing there and say oh you guys sitting maybe 300 miles away um but let, let me explain what that is because I'm here right now, it's more like this uh, recommendation, uh, personal recommendation. You know how valuable this are. It's more valuable than any flyer or merchant uh, advertising from, from an official tourist uh, or whatever uh, brand comes from. So if that, if you're standing in front of the CN Tower and explaining me what Rogers Center is, and uh, here's the statue of Mr. Rogers, what you did when I was there, yes? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's amazing. So, because it's, it's, it's more authentic and maybe um, uh, this is a, is a good, good point. I, I don't know how, how to make money out of it, but anyway, maybe at the end of the day, we'll be advertised by somebody. For sure, for sure. <laughs> for sure. All right, okay, one more story. Uh, final story here, uh, longtime LBMA uh, member and uh, location company, Ground Truth, uh, has introduced a, a new uh, product. Um, uh, they call it uh, geocontextual sort of audience targeting for uh, OTT. Uh, so, you know, we, we know about the growth of sort of, um, you know, uh, online TV and, you know, platforms like Netflix and Amazon Prime and, and Hulu and things like that. Um, and, you know, one of the, the challenges or one of the opportunities, I guess, uh, in, in that world is, you know, they're slowly, you know, drawing the eyeballs away from normal, uh, you know, broadcast television um and really starting to to take over you know drawing a lot of the talent a lot of the production money winning a lot of awards now as well um and uh you know as as the content and 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 talent and awards move into the world of, of ott and ctv uh then you know so do the ad dollars and and so how do you sort of start to understand who's viewing those things, where they're viewing them from, the, you know, and so on, uh, becomes really important. And so Ground Truth is really taking their, their platform, which is, uh, you know, their, um, their blueprints, uh, geo-targeting and mapping technology platform, and now layering that on top of, you know, and analyzing, you know, the OTT environment and then, you know, sort of enabling brands and advertising and media buyers to really have access to understanding what's going on in the OTT environment and be able to target ads, you know, based on geo data and location uh, information, you know, in that environment. And, and I think this is, it's a really interesting move. It's not obviously not the first either, you know, um, in, in that particular space. Uh, you know, Place IQ has done a lot of work uh, in that area as well over the years. Um, to just name one, but but I think it's it, it's it's a really important move, and, and I think as an industry, and and you know this you know well, Karsten, like the the world of sort of online, you know, as bricks and mortar, you know, is becoming more and more difficult, um, and you know the sort of normal television world and and radio world is it has lost a bit of the uh, you know sort of split of the share of the the pie it's all gone online and it's all gone to, you know, streaming TV and things like that. And so I think, you know, if we can take what we know and what we've proven works well in the world of geo-targeted advertising uh, in mobile and, and in, in physical location, you know, and bring that into online and, and, and streaming, um, that becomes, I think, incredibly important. 
um, because that's where the eyeballs are now. That's where the traffic is. And, and if you can layer location data on top of that, um, then I think you have a, a really um, unique way to, to go after that. Um, and just to, to give one set of numbers here, um, they uh, did some, uh, some testing with a um, uh, luxury dealerships, uh, car dealerships. And they found that uh, an omni-channel campaign that they that they did generated nearly 2,000 visits at an average of $18 per visit. Um, so a, a 41 to one profit versus investment ratio um, okay. on, on their return uh, on their ad, ad investment there. So, you know, like I think it can be very effective. It's premium advertising. Location has always been premium, but it can net pretty uh, interesting results. Or depending on, so um, if you think about, so one of the big trends we're talking since a year, of the year and a half, it's uh, more regional. It's more around you. It's what's, what's interests me because I'm not allowed to travel, shops are closed. Um, so you see a rise in, uh, in this market. So um, where does it come from, where it's produced? And um, if I know where the people are watching uh, and where the eyeballs are, as you mentioned before, and then it's much more easier to say, all right, uh, as a local dealer, you uh, told about the a car dealership, but it can also be a farmer or just uh, maybe some, some organic stuff or whatever yeah well it's available now here and you are here and uh, we can do business together so that's maybe a good idea and you also see the rise of um, the the direct to consumer industry so retail is not longer as needed as before so you see a lot of brands, um, including Adidas, the big sports brands and co. I think, all right, so we want to sell direct as a consumer via different channels. And uh, that's also a reason for having this super uh, interesting ideas and uh, me mechanics on uh, social commerce. I, so social commerce combined with location data. So I'm here now using Facebook, using Twitter, TikTok, whatever. Uh, there is something you can buy in the store next to me, not from a global brand, but from a local producer. That that could be an idea. Also jumping into that, that advertising. So I love it. Um, but I'm remembering the old times. Um, so when the smart TVs arrived, you, you, you remember? And we tried to, to track through the smart TV who is watching what and which technology is in use. Um, there were a lot of concerns around. So, so my TV is watching me now, not I watch the TV. Yeah. <laughs> and so maybe interesting to see if it's, uh, it, uh, it changed uh, the last 10, it's 10 years ago. So anyway, uh, cool. Yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, I think that this will be an interesting one. And I think, um, you know, Ground Truth certainly is, is, is well positioned there to, uh, to capture some of that market. And, and I think others will, will kind of come into that space, you know, quickly as well. Um, so definitely uh, the world of, of OTT is, is a world uh, of huge opportunity at the moment. So, yeah, it's something to watch. So that's it. That's our show for this week. You've been uh, listening and watching. Uh, episode number 520 of Location Weekly. Uh, we want to thank you for your time. Thank you, Karsten, for uh, joining us this week and filling in for Abriana, co-hosting with us. We really appreciate it. It's great to see you as always. And uh, yeah, we're just you know hoping for uh, things to open up, get back to normal. Let's get some yeah, just, you know just, conferences. Just one. Just, just one. 
Yeah, give, me, give me one second. So we are opening LBMA activities in Germany physically. So we are going to beer garden events because outside restaurants are open. And we are starting by the end of this month, uh, meeting in different cities all over German-speaking countries, Austria, Germany, and Switzerland, and meet our members and friends physically again in a beer garden. So Amazing. Just, Amazing. Yeah, I, I, I can join you. Uh, hopefully soon. Hopefully soon. Thank you. Uh, that would be amazing. But yeah, good luck with that. Uh, you know, we're excited, uh, you know, for that time when we can all meet and gather again. And uh, yeah, for those out there who are listening and watching, if you have story ideas, reach out to us. If you want to explore membership with the LVMA, reach out to us. If you're in Europe, reach out to Karsten as well. We're easily, it can be found on all the, uh, the platforms and so on. And um, yeah, uh, we'll see you next week for episode 521. Abriana will be back and uh, we'll, we'll talk to you then. Have a good week, everybody. Bye. Thank you very much for having me. Bye-bye. <laughs>